Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And when they came nigh unto Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do you loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Um, I'm going to read one more verse, and it's in Acts chapter 1. Just one verse, Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. To whom also... He shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'm going to be referring to a lot of John probably in this message, but um, you pray for us. I begin to, as I said, search out. Um, want to preach this week and um, this week I wanted to read that verse in Acts where it talks about his passion um, and it said he showed himself alive after his passion after he was crucified and resurrected according to that in Acts for 40 days Jesus walked the earth um, and he showed himself to his disciples and his uh, save people during those 40 days. Uh, but it says the passion. He showed himself by many infallible proofs after his passion. And, and so as we start into this week, this week is known as Passion Week or Holy Week. And, and, uh, and, and the title of that movie, The Passion of the Christ, is based upon that. And I thought this week, it's, uh, it's, uh, today is known as Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the day that, uh, that uh, Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And, and as I got to reading that, uh, and, and, and it's sort of funny, I guess, I said something off the cuff here about four years ago in revival. And, uh, and it was when Eli and Noah both, both wanted to join the church. And, and Kim asked me that week, she said, it's okay if David... If Daddy baptizes them, and I said, Kim, that's fine. I said, I don't care a bit. And, and I referred to this. I said, I don't have to be those that, uh, that, uh, that uh, throw the palm uh, branches in the way or throw your clothes in the way. Uh, those people were, were of great honor. But I said, I just, I'll just be one of them that goes to get the donkey. And, and I've thought about that several times since then. And, and do you know that is 
that is recorded in all four Gospels. I thought about that man who had the donkey, and and, uh, and a lot of people think what what a what a crazy sort of thought that would be. But but it's mentioned in all four gospels that uh, that this donkey uh, has been mentioned, uh, and he sent two disciples, and it doesn't say who. Uh, but two unnamed people uh, were to go into Bethpage and into Bethany and the town over against it. And, and Jesus told them, you're going to find a donkey. Uh, you're going to find her there and her, and her colt, uh, her, her, her baby. And, and nobody's ever sat on him. Uh, but you begin to lose him. And I thought so many times that, uh, that sometimes uh, uh, the people in the church of God uh, need to be loosed for a job. and uh, need to be loosed for something. It's been mentioned in Sunday school and already in the worship service this morning that a man cannot, cannot, cannot override the will of God. Should not, should not ever stand between. I don't care if it's a church or a preacher or a deacon. No man should ever stand between another man and God. It shouldn't happen. But so many churches have tied people down. And they need to be loosed. So many times Satan has you bound. And God wants to loose you today. You see, there's a work for you. That little donkey that never a man had sat on. He had never been tried and proved, I guess. Never been broken. But Jesus said, you untie him. He has a need. You see that man. He said, if anybody asks you why... Why, does, why are you untying this donkey? Saying to them, because the Lord needs him. The Lord needs him. Can I say something to you? The Lord really doesn't need us. But, but he, if the world shall ever hear the gospel, it'll be by us. He needs us in that sense. To be that city and that light. He needs us for a purpose in the world. You might say, uh, sometime this week he may call you to do something you've never done before. That donkey had never been settled. But Jesus said, you tell that man that the Lord has need of him and he'll let him go. And so there's there they find it in a way where two ways met. And there are just two ways. And there's going to come a time in your life that they're going to meet. There's going to come a fork in the road. And God's going to call you one way. But it's up to you whether you go that way or the other way. And, uh, and there's a broad road and a narrow road. And he said, you'll find this donkey in a place where two ways meet. And they, they found him. And they begin to loose him. And sure enough, the owner came and he said, what are you doing? That's my donkey. What are you doing? And they said, the Lord has need of him. And he said, then go. And I thought that man has been named, in, not, not by name, but by story, in all four Gospels. He had no idea 2,000 years ago how that a little preacher in Lafayette, Tennessee would begin to think about this man. But so it is. The Lord has need of him. You see, you see why? Why did he have need of him? Well, he had to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah 9 9 that says, Behold, your king cometh, and he's riding on a foal, on the foal of an ass. Your king cometh, and he brings salvation. Amen. That's what Zechariah 9 9 says. 
And so the prophecy had to be fulfilled. And the Lord had need of that donkey. It was the time. It was the start of the Passion Week. Every other time in the history of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the Pharisees and the scribes and the people had tried to trap Him and take His life. But the Bible always says His time was not yet. But now... Now it's Palm Sunday. And he knows now is his time. And so he said, I have need of that donkey. And why? Now why would he have to have need of that? Let me just paint you an illustration. Now what did he do? He got on that donkey the road from Bethpage, uh, Bethany up to Jerusalem was a steep climb and it was up a hill. Uh, and though he'd walked it before, uh, he had to fulfill this prophecy. Now you stay with me. What? What good was the donkey? That donkey carried our Lord into Jerusalem. Uh, that, that donkey carried the gospel into Jerusalem. And so today, as the church of the living God, He has need of you to carry Jesus further down the road. Amen. To carry the gospel a little further. It's been mentioned this morning that, uh, that Sister Myrna and, uh, and Sister Linda said, uh, hey, if we're not here, uh, when our great-grandkids uh, and our grandkids uh, reach the age of accountability, you see somebody is going to have to carry the Word unto them. Amen. They're going to have to be untied from this world and carry Jesus further down the road. And so it is. The Lord hath need of him. And so they set him on him. And he began to ride into Jerusalem. And the people there. It was, it was Passover week in Jerusalem. And it was always crowded. But this time it was extra crowded. Because the king was now riding. Hey, don't you think for one minute the Jews didn't understand what he was doing. I've read according to history that Pilate was coming in the western gate. That he was coming in on a horse. Coming in as a king. Coming in as a ruler and Jesus was coming in the eastern gate and he come in the eastern gate and those people were it's called Palm Sunday because they cut off branches of palm trees and strawed them in the way and they took their clothes and strawed them in the way and they cried Hosanna blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord don't you think for one minute those chief priests and the Jews didn't understand that's what Zacharias said and don't you think for one minute uh, they didn't set their teeth on edge to see this man. You see, he was coming on a donkey that signified peace. Uh, the king is coming. And the next time that he comes, he's not coming on a donkey. He's coming on a horse. In Revelation, it says heaven's going to open and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. He's coming back as a king, as a conqueror, as the redeemer, as the savior, as the judge. But he rode into Jerusalem in peace on the donkey. He rode into Jerusalem 
And he began to say, now is the time. The time that I told you about. He wrote into, if you, if you sort of put all of those gospel accounts together, and you sort of get a timeline of this week, and I need to hurry along. But he wrote into Jerusalem. He looked around. He went in the temple, and then he went back out. He went back to Bethpage that night. He was in the house the night before of Simon the leper. He was there. Simon the leper may have been Mary and Martha and Lazarus' dad. He may have been a friend. I don't know. But they were gathered there. And Mary had saved this ointment for some purpose and some reason she didn't understand. But he was there, and the Bible said she just broke it open. An alabaster box. It cost about a year's worth of wages, and she broke it open and anointed it, poured it on his hands and his head and his feet. And Judas didn't like that. He said this money could have been sold, and the money should have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, she's done this for my bearing. Leave her alone. He knew then that his time had come. As he rode into Jerusalem, he knew. He knew that this was the week. And he looked on the temple and he went back to Bethany. And he had dinner there that night, I guess. The next day he gets up, which would be Monday, and he goes back to Jerusalem. He goes into the temple. And now remember, it's Passover week. And they had made a mockery. I see they sold doves. And you were required to bring the dove. And if you brought one from an outside source, it was far cheaper. But see, those chief priests would say it's not worthy. It's not good enough. And what they were doing, they were forcing people to spend ten times the price and buy from them. And there were changers of money set up. And they were stealing from the people. And Jesus looked at it. I walked in the temple, flipped the tables over, and drove them out. And said, my house is the house of prayer. And you've made it a dinner thing. And so he went back out. The people began to come to him. The people began to see it's Passover week. He rode into Jerusalem on the Sunday. That was the day that the Lamb in Moses' day had to be set apart. That was the day he's fulfilling every word of the Word of God. He is our Passover. He is the Lamb. And so He rode in on Palm Sunday, set apart from everybody. They tried on Monday. They proved Him. They tested Him. They, they did everything Monday and Tuesday. And He refuted all that. He, he, he disputed with them. They asked Him, by what authority do you do this? By the authority of, the, uh, of God the Father. That's whose authority it was. Uh, but at any, any rate, uh, at any rate, he said, now the time has come. Uh, he got him on, on, I believe it was Wednesday night. You might think it was Thursday, but at any rate, uh, I believe it was Wednesday. So on Wednesday night, uh, he gathered his disciples into an upper room. Uh, they had a meal. Uh, they had a supper. He instituted the Lord's Supper. Uh, but then I thought, uh, sort of, I think, probably in between the meal, and institution of the Lord's Supper. Now remember, this was His last night on earth before His crucifixion. And He knew it. And He began to say to Him, He said, Behold, the hour is come. And it said, it said He loved His own that were in the world. 
and He loved them unto the end. Now let me ask you something. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt it was going to be your last night on this earth, what would you do? You'd probably gather your family in like He did. Probably gather your closest friends in just like He did. But, but, but in your mind and in my mind, that thing should revolve around, around me, I guess, and around you. But what did Jesus do? The Bible said He girded Himself with a towel, poured water into a basin, and began to wash their feet. <coughs> and He said, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but you will someday. Peter said, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, you have no part with me. He washed their feet. This is God washing the feet. Of all things that He could have done, He made Himself a servant, humbled Himself down, and washed the dirty feet of His disciples. Why did He do it? Because He loved them. Judas goes high now. He begins to really gather those eleven close by. And they begin to take a journey. He institutes the Lord's Supper. And he says, my body is going to be broken. And he said, take this bread and remember me. And he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. And then they start their journey. And as they're going through, they come to Mount of Olives. And he starts the journey. He begins to tell them, in my father's house there are many mansions. He wants to instruct them. He wants to comfort them. He's the one that's going to be put to death. And he's comforting them. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so he's gathering them. He begins to explain to them, it's needful for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the Comforter cannot come. But if I go away, I will send Him to you. He shall testify of Me. In other words, He shall bring to your remembrance these things that I've spoken to you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so as they're journeying on... Uh, they're getting closer now to Gethsemane. And as they journey on, he begins to tell them, I'm the, I'm the vine and you're the branch. He says, I'm going to give you one new commandment. That commandment is love one another. Amen. Boy, the world needs that today. Amen. If I'm being perfectly honest, the church needs that today. Amen. We ought to love one another. I've asked God, I've asked God, Lord, when this flock that you've given me to be an under-shepherd, when they hurt, I want to feel it. I want to hurt with them. I want to rejoice with them. Love one another. Now they've reached the garden. 
Jesus bows down in John 17. It'd be worth your time to read that. He says, Lord, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. He said, I've done it all. Everything that you told me, I've finished it now. He said, I know that my time has now come. He said, but I, these that are left in the world, I want you to remember them. He knew what was going to happen. He knew in just a few short hours that they were all going to forsake Him and flee. And He's still praying for me. Lord, I know what's going to happen. They're going to scatter. Peter's going to deny me. I strengthen Him, God. And so he prayed for them. He said, I want them to be with me and with you. He said, I want them to see me in the glory that I had before I came down here. Before I stripped off the glory and became a man. I want to have that glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. And he said, I want these to be with me. He said, Father, of all that you've given me, I've not lost any. Say, Judas that the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And he begins to pray earnestly. Now he bows down one more time. He gathers Peter, James, and John. And he says, you three come with me. Uh, you, uh, uh, you other eight, you stay there and you pray. And he goes about a stone's cast. He says, Father... He said, my, he said, my soul is troubled. He told the disciples, what should I now say? My soul is troubled. The Father saved me from this hour, but for this cause I came. We talk about the battle being won at Calvary, and it was. But I believe really the victory was won in Gethsemane's garden. Why do I say that? Because there... There's where he was bowed down. There's where he the, the press began to get so great upon him. And he, he knew he was going to take the sins of the world. He knew that. He was hours away now from torture. And he began to see that and he prayed, Father, please, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. That was his humanity crying out. The Hebrew writer said with strong tears and crying, he prayed and was heard and that he feared. But the Bible says he prayed, but not my will, but thine be done. He went and found Peter, James, and John asleep, knelt down beside his three closest friends, and he said, you couldn't even watch with me in hell. I need you. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And he goes back again and he prays. It was there that, that I believe every demon came upon our Savior. It was there in that garden as he sweat great drops of blood. Do you understand now why? And Luke says it was his passion. And he knelt there and he said, Father, let this cut pass. But nevertheless, if it's thy will, I'll break it. He made his choice. Can I tell you the entire history of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever lived hanging in the balance at Gethsemane's garden? 
he could have just as easily stood up and said, Father, I've changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. And he would have been righteous in that. And he'd still be God. But he made a choice. The Bible says the angels came and strengthened him. In that moment, his mind was set. He was steadfast. I mean, to Jerusalem now. But it was there in that garden. He stilled his resolve. And from that moment when the angels strengthened him, his, his choice was made. He was going to go through with the crucifixion because He loved you. He loved me. It's a passion week. He rode in on a donkey in peace. Gathered His closest around Him. Explained to Him, I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to rise again. And none of them understood it. They didn't know what he was talking about. But in that very garden where he made a steal his resolve, he looked up and there came Judas. Judas kissed him on the cheek. What a treacherous thing that was. The band of men took him. And he let them take him. Peter drew a sword and cut off an ear of one of them. Jesus gently bent down, picked up the ear, and put it back on and healed that man. What a remarkable Savior that we have. I want you to understand His passion. He got there before Caiaphas, and then He went to Pilate, then He went to Herod, then back to Pilate. It was all a mockery. The Bible says they spit on him. This is God. They're spitting on the God man. They struck him with the palms of their hands, blindfolded him, struck him, smacked him, and said, Who was it that hit you? Prophesy. Then it says they buffeted him. That's closed fist. Not just one, but every one of them buffeted our Savior. And the angels were silent. He said, I could call upon twelve legions and they'd come and take me down. But the angels were silent. Because he never called them. They scourged him. They tied his hands to a post. And he bared his back to the smiters. And they plowed great pharaohs in his back. And he bled and he suffered. They put a crown of thorns on him and a reed in his hand of purple. They mocked him because he loved us. It's his passion. They crucified him between two feet. He made his grave with the wicked and rich in his death. Just as Isaiah said. But he cried out from the cross, Father, forgive me. They don't know what they're doing. 
And I could go in more depth for the time not next Sunday on Easter. It's His passion. As we go into this week, I wish we'd begin to feel a little bit of that. This is Palm Sunday. There's our God riding on a donkey. Throughout the course of the next few days, 2,000 years ago, they tried Him and tested Him. And He proved Himself to be that spotless light. There are differences of opinions on when He was actually crucified. Some say Friday. Some say Wednesday. I say Thursday. And I say that because that's the day that the Passover lamb was killed. That's the day after he had been set apart in the days of Moses. So as those Passover lambs were coming and they were being slaughtered, at that very moment, our Lord said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He is our Passover lamb. Friday came, no word. Saturday came, no word. But Sunday came and everything was different. Glory! Hallelujah! Sunday came and they found Him that was dead to be alive. His passion is and has always been us. Because He loved us. Remember that this week. Ask God to open up your heart. Take you back in time to 2,000 years ago. Study it. Study it what what happened. Starting with Palm Sunday through the Resurrection Sunday. This week, study it. See His suffering. See His passion. Also, we can be saved. And forgiven. What a God. How great thou art. That's our message. Come ahead with a song.